What would it look like to claim your space as a leader and make a positive impact in your organization or community? Get ready to lead courageously and authentically from the core of who you are. Your leadership coach, Dr. Kristen Albert, will help you recognize how you are uniquely gifted to lead in your spheres of influence and help you become equipped and confident to handle the challenges of leadership. Take your leadership to the next level and create your turning points in leadership. Let's get started. Here's Chris. Hello, and welcome to Turning Points in Leadership. My name is Dr. Kristen Albert, and I am just thrilled that you're here today. This is the inaugural episode of a six-episode ep series featuring leaders whom I admire. And I admire these folks that I'm interviewing for leading in their spheres, the way they, they lead in their spheres of influence. And so the, the individuals whom I'm interviewing are changing the image of leadership um, changing the, the image of having to be uh, someone at the top of the corporate ladder or someone holding a title of privilege to be able to make a difference. Instead, my guests are leading change in bold and inspiring ways. And I want you, my audience, to be inspired by them and to consider how you can become a catalyst for change in your spheres of influence. So again, I'm thrilled that you're here today. And I want to welcome my guest, my guest, Lana Yelenyev. Welcome, Lana. Lana oh, calls herself a community alchemist. Lana is a native Filipina who now lives in the Netherlands. And in her work, Lana guides founders, change makers, and impact-driven organizations to action. She helps them to create big picture visions, catalyze the potential within their communities, and design learning experiences for transformational and lasting impact. And this is how I met Lana. Lana has been my thought partner and collaborator since August of 2019 when we began working together. Welcome, Lana. So glad you're here. Thank you for having me and, and such beautiful, beautiful words about what these conversations are about. So thank you. I feel so honored to be, to be the first one. Well, I can't think of anybody I admire more and who has been, um, who has had such an impact on my thinking and how I've taken my leadership and my thought leadership and put it into action. And, and actually, as you, as you, as I said in your introduction, helping me to find ways to be a change maker by thinking about leadership in new ways and ways to take action. Uh, because so often we, um, one, we might not think of ourselves as, as a leader, or we might think of ourselves as having the ability to lead. And I, while I've always seen myself as a leader, one of the things that has been such a gift from you is that thought partnership, that challenging me to think in new ways and to conceptualize some of these ideas that I've had about leadership um, in ways that are really getting to the core of what's important to me as a leader and how I want to uh, provide leadership and influence for others in leadership. So mm -hmm. I'm just blessed by, by our collaboration and our friendship. Yeah. So. When you said 2019, I'm like, oh, it does, it, it, it felt longer. <laughs> so it was, it, it, for me, that's also one of the, the things that I'm very much grateful about how 
um, yeah, encounters of how we met and how we've continued to work together. In, in, it's not just enriching you, but it's also enriching me. And I firmly agree with what um, Sean Jean Wright mentioned, you know, that it's really a mirror. You know, we're all mirrors of each other. So what you're saying about, you know, how I'm supporting you and guiding you in really getting to the essence of your leadership, I would say I'm just reflecting what is already there and um, helping you to see that and helping you to shine through that. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you for all of that. So uh, one of the things that I'd like the audience to know um, before we jump into the questions is that I believe that every human being who has the cognitive ability is capable of leading within their spheres of influence. And not only do I believe that we are all capable, but I also believe that we are all responsible that we, each and every one of us bears responsibility for leadership and for positive leadership. Um, I remember a quote by Margaret Mead, and she said, never underestimate the power of a small group of committed people to change the world. In fact, it is the only thing that ever has. And I think that goes back to the individual. You know, small group of people, small, dedicated, committed group of people starts with the individuals themselves to be stepping into that community to be able to lead. So um, that's the context for my my thinking. And um, so I'm curious, what is one of your earliest uh, memories of leading or of leadership? I mean, this could be a memory you had of yourself as a leader, or it could be an early observation of others who you watched lead early in your life? So this question gives me two memories. Now, one was a memory of me as a child and how I would often gather the neighborhood kids and we would um, play house. And so there's a sense of, I guess it's also because me and my brother were somewhat the oldest among the kids that, that that were there in the neighborhood so there was also that sense of okay uh getting people you know getting kids to do things so we would play together do things together so that's that's the first memory in terms of yeah seeing myself myself lead um and then the other memory is about my my grandmother and my mom and that was in the 1980s when um the dictator was toppled in one of the most peaceful revolution. And, and, um, and I remember that my, my grandma and my mom even went to the streets to join um, the, the, what's this, the protest. And that for me was the first, I would say the first initiation to activism that I have seen mm -hmm. and also uh, experienced in, in my young life. And at the same time, the, yeah, the pride that they felt when because of the people's power, that was what the, revol the revolution was called, um, because of people's power, the dictator has been uh, in power for 20 years, was ousted. And the, I, I remember distinctly how you know, we were watching the television, the news of what was unfolding and how deeply, yeah, joyous the, the, the experience was for my mom and my grandmother. 
as that unfolded. And that for me was like, oh, so this is what leadership is really about. You know, like taking taking power, reclaiming power back. Wow. Wow. That's very powerful to even think about. About how old were you during that time that you were watching I, this? I unfold? would say, let me just see, around nine or 10. Wow. Very young and very a very impressionable time for yes. you. Yeah. What I love is how you see, how you saw yourself as a child in your leadership and just kind of watched, you know, thinking back and reflecting on yourself and saw how you innately had this this gathering power, bringing people together for a purpose. I think that's really, I think that's really special. And then as a nine or 10 year old, um, to have that model of your mother and your grandmother during, I imagine what was a very unsettling time watching all of this unfold on the TV, yet watching these two women whom you looked up to as, and they were role models for you. And you saw them stepping into, um, this activism leading this change and uh, and coming through it with victory, yeah. right? And the impact that that had. Um, well, and, and what was what what is fascinating as well? If I think about leadership and this question of memory around leadership, I'm even going forward to uh, when we when we went to the back to the Philippines and my kids. They were just uh, the the oldest was two and a half, and um, and the youngest was still a baby. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly. So she she doesn't speak the language. Um, she was one of the youngest in the neighborhood, but I remember distinctly seeing her walk on the streets, and all the other kids were following following her behind her. Oh my goodness! What and a great was, image. You know that that me- memory is is so deeply ingrained in me. And I even told my husband, "Look at our daughter. You know, she's she has everyone following her." <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we you know just paying attention to children, just watching what they do, you can see this emerging in them before exactly. we even, before they've even put words to it. Exactly. Exactly. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. You know, as you mentioned, your your mother and your grandmother, I'm curious in what way your family, your culture, your cultural influences, or your community shaped how you view leadership. Well, Could you tell us a little bit about I, that? I, I would say the influencers in, 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 my, in my life are, of course, aside from, you know, my grandmother and my mom. Uh, being very strong women and, and not just strong in how they've you know faced very very difficult circumstances in mm. life um, but also very strong in in yeah in, in showing us how things can be done you know so so mm-hmm. I would say that that really helped uh, me have a perspective of okay this are you know this this is the kind of uh way you know ways in which we can show up in the world as as very strong resilient women Mm. Uh, but i also if i look at uh like 
within our family history, specifically within my mother's um, lineage, uh, we've always been politically inclined. So that 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 also shapes, yeah, you know, the perception around how we are within you know within the society or within uh, our our city. So we we have relatives that are very deeply um, what's this tied to politics, mm. and if I really go a bit further, that has always been more like a uh, a generational thing. You know, so there, there has always been um, people in the family that are very much related to politics. So that's one you know, gen- generational um, aspect that I can connect with in terms of leadership, you know, the traditional side, um, uh, side of leadership, which is politics. However, there's also another experience that I've had. So when I graduated from uh, high school, I specifically chose to study in the University of the Philippines. Um, and the University of the Philippines is known to be one of the most uh, yeah, progressive and activist um, universities in the Philippines. And that, that I would say has really enabled me to understand better around not just, you know, not just politics, but also around um, Filipino psychology, for example, it, it also allowed me to, yeah, to see things differently. And um, I would say my experience studying in, in UP, University of the Philippines, has really broadened my stance around leadership, because that was also when I started uh, taking in more leadership roles in uh or uh, what's this, how, how do you call it? In, in the field, we have clubs, organizations. So I started taking in more um, leadership roles in those clubs. And I was very much active within the different, yeah, the different organizations that I was part of. So, so for me, the, the experience, experiences that I've had in university has really opened my eyes into how do we step into leadership um, and, and really show up as individuals. Hmm. You know, what I love about that is it was almost like the playground for you to experience leadership, to experiment with your leadership, to um, not only be influenced, not only to receive influence, but also to express influence and try it on, try it out. In, yeah, as a, mind you, it was not without any pain though. <laughs> oh, I'm Mainly sure. Because- yeah. Mainly because, yeah, coming in from, from the province, then going to um, Manila, you know, going to, to the city and being in one of the, yeah, you, you would say um, radical mm. uh, 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 side, you know. So I was always confronted with, oh, you're thinking differently. Oh, you're, you're, mm. you're, you're, you're seeing things in a different way. So there, there has always been that that questioning of, oh, is it really about, is it really me, or you know, or the things that I'm questioning really needed to be questioned. So hmm. uh, I would say that also helped me to really look at, you know, like um, if we look at culturally, the Philippines having been colonized for. 333 years from Spaniards, and then you have uh, 40 plus more years from the Americans, and you have the Japanese. So 
all these colonial um, experiences have really put us in, in, I would say culturally, um, in a very oppressive state. You know, that we, mm. we think there would always be people better than us, you know, specifically white. White people are better than us. Anything that's white is better, more beautiful. Um, so there was always this aspiration of something that is with you know not it's not within your grasp um and that that forms in all the decisions in all policies in 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 the ways people interact with each other so for me there was one you know one of the things that that really stood out for me was i do not belong you know i do not have the same um yeah perspectives as what the masses have and and th there was really a point in my life where I just had to really um, reconcile with, okay, how do I, you know, how do I um, have all these questions and thoughts and ideas and still don't have people that I can you know, spar with and, and, and talk around these topics with. Yeah. So I found that in, of course, in, in university, there were more people around me to do that with. Mm -hmm. but outside of the university that's when I'm faced again with oh but this is the culture you know the culture is we do not we do not um question authority mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that there are people that are in power and they and the people are in power are there to keep things in order and we just need to obey uh, so there's so many of this I would say colon colonized practices that mm. I myself did not even have the language for at that time. Yet I knew that I I I see things, view things, and 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 feel things differently. So it took me a while to reconcile with that. And I would say the turning point for me would be when I moved out of the country and uh, came to Europe. Yeah, and then be really confronted with. Oh, I'm a brown person. Uh, um, and, and how does this fit in in a predominantly white society? Yes. So yeah. All the questions then that I have had from before when I was in university came coming back to me. And this time I've, you know, I've had, of course, the lived experiences of I've also lived outside of the country prior to uh, coming here to the Netherlands. So it it gave me, you know it gave me more ways of understanding things. And like what I said, you know, the, the, the pain of going through um, feeling that I don't belong or that people don't understand me uh, made me also realize that it, there are certain things that, that um, yeah, in our level of awareness or in their level of lived experiences um, are so unique that, you know, that I can, you know, I can only, what I can only do is share my story and see how that opens people up. Mm -hmm. So that also shifted for me of, if I think about leadership, I think more of me sharing and opening up my story so people can also reflect on them and see how that resonates with them. Yes. Uh, what I love about about your whole story there is it sounded like even in the face of resistance, right? Those rules and everything that was pushing back against you, 
um, that you have had uh, the insight to be able to respect yourself and 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 recognize your humanity and and not lose yourself to the system, right? Not um, to not just assume that because they were in authority that that was the direction, but that you stayed true um, to what you were thinking and feeling in this in this context. Um, that's got to be that's that's a very mature. Uh, <laughs> I just think there's so many people that the aren't word, there. The word that keeps coming back at my, at, you know, at, at that time when I was experiencing this, of course, I was just in my, you know, early 20s. If I go back to the language that I've heard is, oh, you're a rebel, you know, you're a black sheep. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're a spit, you know, you don't think that, you know, you don't think the same. It's negative and, and, yeah. instead yeah. of recon recognizing that, <laughs> You were you were at a higher level of uh, adult development. There was a you know you weren't just in that rule following socialized mindset. You were pushing the boundaries of that and rising past that. But isn't it interesting how you're told that you're the rebel, right? You're the exactly the black sheep, right? Because it's uncomfortable for them, so they're pushing back against you and, and, and it's culturally you know it's it's culturally what we've been uh indoctrinated in yes yeah very powerful wow so this next question has to do with you know what what you want other folks to know as you look around at people with whom you live or work or interact with or whom, whom you're surrounded by, what do you want them to know? Or what do you want to invite them to think about or explore when it comes to leadership? Hmm. Well, one of the things that um, I've always been, uh, yeah, very keen on sharing with, with, with the kids and especially nowadays, now that they're teenagers, was helping them to, um, get into their full yes. Mm -hmm. What does a full yes yeah. mean for you in your body, in your mind, you know, in your heart? Because for me, this, you know, that that when we're in our full yeses, um, how we move as leaders, how we move as individuals, comes in with flow, you know, comes in with grace. Mm -hmm. um, comes in with a lot of compassion as well. Um, in in any time that we, you know, that, that we are not in our full yes, and we make decisions or we act upon things, then that's when we see how things unfold differently uh, because of, yeah, either the, the energy that you bring in is not in matching with what was expected, or, or even, yeah, by, by not stepping into our full yes, um, we're also, you know, we're also not making others know what our boundaries are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the more that we understand where our yes and our no's are coming from, the more that we can say, oh, but these are my boundaries. 
and 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 boundary setting for me is is something that we need to you know cultivate a lot it's 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 very important that we know the the limits in which we'd want to do things for others or the limits in which we'd want to do things for ourselves and the more that we can articulate that the, the easier it is for others to make requests on how they'd want to work with you or make requests on um yeah how to engage with you uh and if we are, you know, if we are firm or at least have an understanding over our full yes resides, it's also clear for, for others in, in which ways, you'd, you know, we'd want to live in integrity with ourselves. Yeah. Because that full yes comes from our values, you know, comes from our worldviews, comes from the different perspectives that we hold dearly. Um, so I say, you know, it, it might seem easy to say, oh, I'm just saying yes to something. But for, for me, that's one of the crucial pillars that has helped me redesign my life after breast cancer. It has helped me to navigate yeah, different tensions, different experiences. And it has really helped me to, um, to, to, to also get into, is this really what I'd want? for myself you know as you're talking about the full yes this this idea of uh, well so many clients I work with don't have any clue that that they can have a full yes they they don't even know that a full yes exists yeah. because they are so um in everything that they've not taken time to reflect and understand that that can that they can actually arrive at a full yes. How would you describe what a full yes feels like in the body and is expressed in the mind? Hmm. Well, what's I the language think... of a full yes and what's the body of a full yes? <laughs> For me, if I think of a full yes, then I definitely feel it, you know, like in my heart. You know, that, that my hmm. heart is very open. Hmm. That it's hmm. not constricted. That um, that, that it's something that I immediately lean into, you know, so I can already see the gestures of my body moving forward to something that if I think about it within my gut, you know, that, oh yeah, that, that sinking feeling of this feels right. Yes. Uh, um, and if I think about it, you know, on a cognitive level, a full yes for me is something that gives me flow. It's something mm. that allows me to say, oh, I can immerse myself in this and lose myself in this and and be so energized and nourished. Yes, yes. And, and this for me are, you know, different characterizations of what a full yes can be. Um, so for me, it's it's that trifecta of, you know, like, what's your gut telling you? And uh, well, what's, what's your heart saying? And then what's your mind, you know, what, what's your mind telling you? Um, and it has not been that easy, believe me, to to get into that full journey year. for sure. The journey it, for sure. It, it's mm. I would say it. It's a level of attunement that is so deep that it then honors ourselves as individuals. Yes. So when I am in full yes to something that you've requested. I'm not just honoring you. I'm honoring myself. Yeah. 
and and that level of deep yeah deep um alignment with what makes us in integrity with ourselves is what makes the full yes uh, a very crucial part of leadership mm. and when the leader is in the full yes they can step into leadership in creative and positive ways as opposed to in in a, from a stance of protection self-protection or or needing to control or feeling a need to comply exactly. uh, those, those because then we lose our agency right yes when, when yes. we get into um situations where it, it's that half you know it's like i think so but i'm not so sure you know but, but i'm saying yes to it 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 puts us you know it puts us in a place where we're allowing others to have agency mm-hmm. over how we decide on things over how we do things yes and and this is also important for us to to understand that full yeses allows us to have agency of ourselves and in a world where often we don't feel like we have agency when there are systems in place that are greater than than we can uh, work against that we're wow. up against yeah that that agency recognizing what we do have agency over is is exactly. critical yeah and, at and all I'm, levels and i'm not saying that it it means that we're um self-centered yeah, there's no, a no. difference there is huge. There's a difference yes. to that. And this is also why I use the language of um, we're not selfish, we're not self-centered, but we're self-full. Oh, I you know, love when we, when we get when we get to our full yes, we have we, we reach a sense of self-fullness. Mm-hmm. And, and this sense of self-fullness allows us to be uh th- th- that I can be me and you can be you, and we can be who we are with each other. Yes. Yes. And and it might take, you know, that if, even if I say no to certain things, it's an understanding of but what are, you know, what's the beauty of the no? Mm, yes. Um mm-hmm. because the beauty of the no allows me to have compassion to oh, why did you say no to me, you know? So it allows me to also understand where you're coming from. And, and what your needs are, you know, and what is important for you at that given moment. The beauty um, of the no. I love there's, that. There's so much beauty to the no. Um, and, and yeah, it also allows us to, to see, are there room for us to go inside, even though there is not a full yes. So yeah. one of the things that I've been teaching my kids is, Okay, you know, so if it's a no that you've said, or if, if it's, you know, that, that um, in what ways can you make that known to other, to others, what you, you know, what, what you are capable of doing for them? Yeah. So there, there's also this reciprocity of um, it's a no for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe you can ask me again after 30 minutes. Yeah, you know, or um, it's a no for now, and this is something that you know that 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 is possible. Yes. From you know from my end. So it it's not an automatic shut off that you're doing. 
Yes. Yeah. Rather allowing for more conversations to happen so that we can see and find each other in 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 whatever you know in whatever um decision or whatever action yeah so for me stepping into food yes is not just you know not just understanding the yes but really looking at the beauty of the no and then when a no appears is how can we be in integrity with each other Mm, yes what an invitation what a beautiful invitation to to uh for leaders to think about the full yes and the beauty of the no and how how that is re- so relational that is creating a relation a, a relationship within that experience wow. so important yeah thank you oh thank you for asking mm-hmm. <laughs> Each month um, on the in the Turning Points Leadership Community, we explore a theme around leadership. And this month, we've been focusing on the concept of mastery um, and recognizing that we are all in our own journeys, every single one of us, and that every one of us starts our journey as a beginner. Because um, it's easy to, I would imagine, for some listeners to listen to you speak and think, oh, well, you know, I'm not where she is, right? I just am not there yet well that's right we're not all we haven't we're all on this on all our on huh, all are on our own journeys and we all start our process as beginners um so what what comes to your mind or resonates with you about this idea of mastery especially as it pertains to your own journey i i would say that's one of the myths that we're fed, you know, that we would get to a mastery, you know, to a, yes. to a state of mastery. Um, when I hear mastery, I, I'm always thought of, oh, again, you know, there, there, there's, a, yeah, there, there's that oppressive state, you know, that, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to keep on, you know, I need to keep on learning. I need to keep on doing these things. I need to, so... If I reframe that, you know, if I reframe mastery to a state that is, you know, that allows me to, to think of um, here I am now, right? And what are the areas that I would want to focus on to, um, yeah, to, to deepen, whatever practices I have, then that's the mastery that I, you know, that I choose to frame myself in. Mm. And if I frame it in that way, then I would say mastery is always the state of being a learner. It's always the state of Mm. being a novice. Because the minute that you get to that point of, oh, I think I know this now, it, then you're open to, there are also other parts that you, that, that we don't know. Yes. So then again, the journey begins, right? So, so for me, it, I I would say one of the the practices to be really decolonized, right, is this idea of we all we get to a level of mastery. Yes. Yes. I never thought, I never thought of mastery from through that through that lens of colonization, that that being almost, uh, huh white supremacy culture uh, 
in some ways, thinking about mastery in, in, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you I for reading. I'm going to drop some. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love how you do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love how you always do that. There's always, whenever we're talking with one another, I'm always going, oh, <laughs> thought of it that way before. It's beautiful. So I'm coming up to my last two questions. And this next to last question is about what is one value or guiding principle that informs your work and is infused in everything you believe and how you approach your leadership and your life? Hmm. Oh, just one. It's difficult to choose just one. So I'm going to break that being the rebel. I'm going to break that and have two. <laughs> okay, so, so the first one, and, 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 and this is in reference to Filipino psychology. So this is um, in, in the 1970s, I think 70s or 60s. Um, uh, there, there was a, a study around, okay, but what is really indigenous Filipino psychology? Mm -hmm. Because the framing of psychology in, in all parts of the world is very much Western. Yes. Yes. So, so there was uh, Enriquez um, uh, started, you know, un un uncovering what 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 the, what does this really mean to be a Filipino, and to look at it from a, a, a decolonized lens, basically. Um, there there were two values, Filipino um, uh, psychology traits that I would say from the time that I started reading about it till up until now are you know words that I live by and words that I even teach to my kids. Um, so the first one is pakundangan. And, and pakundangan roughly translated means deep sense of consideration of others and of yourself. At the, at the time that I was learning this, um, again, steeped within you know, Filipino culture, I thought pakundangan using the you know the western lens or the colonizers lens was always the oh I'm always giving up something for for other people mm, mm, mm -hmm. but as I started to unpack what we mean you know what we really really mean when we think of pakundangan and probably this is also why Filipinos are considered to be one of the most hospitable people in the entire world is because there's this deep sense of consideration of others and as I grew older, one of the things that also added to that language is that pakundangan is also a deep sense of consideration to myself. Ah, and this ah. is why the full yes is very important. Yeah. You know? so when, I, when I practice pakundangan, it means that I have sensitivity, heightened sensitivity to your needs, and I have heightened sensitivity to my needs. Mm. And it can be very, you know, practice in a very very practical sense and this is something that I've been teaching my kids ever since they were enough you know old enough to talk <laughs> so just just you know imagine a picture of being on a table eating a meal and you want you know you want the last piece of something mm -hmm. what do you do so in if we are to practice pakundangan it would be to 
ask people, you know, is there somebody else on the table who would want this piece? And if yes, then you make arrangements on how you divide it. In our family, we have a rule. If there's, you know, two of you who, who would want it, one cuts and the other one decides which piece. I love the piece. <laughs> so, so this is something that we've taught our kids at a very, very young age. That to this day, they practice as teenagers. Mm. Whenever it's, there's something that they would want and they see that, you know, that others are probably enjoying it, there's always asking people, you know, like, is there somebody else who would want this one? And that for me is, it might seem so small, right? But in putting it on a bigger scale of things, it means I deeply care hmm. for you and for yes. your needs. And I also deeply honor mine that I'm in a position to nego negotiate with you, to get into a compromise with you so that both of us can meet our needs. I just love that. And so, so for me, that, that, that high sensitivity mm -hmm. is very much, you know, very much a big part of um, the big core practice. Mm -hmm. And then the, the second piece is kapwa. We've talked about kapwa in, in one of our sessions. Um, and, and kapwa is really, I would say the core of Filipino psychology is when we talk about I am in kapwa with you, which means my shared inner self. Yes. You know, so this is the shared inner selves that we have with others. So it's, a, it's, a, it's not a distinction of what is I, what is me, or what is you, but it's really that process of looking at both of us, you know, or, or, or in the com community aspect. This is also why I love now that they're rebunking uh, what Maslow's hierarchy of needs are, you know, of no, we do not stop at self-actualization. We need yes. to go beyond self-actualization to community. Yes. Absolutely. And this is what, for me, what's, what, what Kapwa symbolizes. You know, Kapwa symbolizes that in my pursuit of my happiness, is my pursuit of your happiness. Yes. And in the same way, and I've mentioned this to you in our call, you know, your liberation is my liberation and my, my healing is your healing. Yes. And this is what we do when we are in Kapwa with each other. Yeah. And, and these are things that for me, yeah. I'm like, I want to firmly ground my practices with those two in mind. So that when I'm, yeah, working with clients, talking to people, um, talking to my kids and my, my husband, being with friends, that this becomes core practices that I, you know, check in with myself. You know, I, I, am I in a situation that I am now showing pakundangan to others? You know, am I in my actions being in kapwa with others? So it becomes a great filter and also, a, a, I would say, a pulse check for me in terms of how I'm showing up. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting how living in Western culture, you know, we don't have words 
for these concepts that you're describing. And I just think that that's the beauty of, of learning from other cultures is it, it deepens and broadens uh, just your whole experience of things that you never, you know, you couldn't put words to before. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Mm, my pleasure. <laughs> well, my last question, um, what is your favorite leadership quote? Do you have a favorite? I don't or have just one that comes to your mind. <laughs> I don't really have a favorite, though I have a favorite quote that, that, yeah, speaks always to me. And that is um, from the little prince, you know, love is the process of me leading you gently back to yourself. Mm. And I see that, you know, that, that if we are to look at what is the core of leadership, the core of leadership is love, right? And what we do as leaders, how we are as leaders is about helping others get closer to themselves. You know, that, 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 that what we do as leaders is a process of them, you know, of us leading them gently back to themselves. It's beautiful. It's a whole different way of thinking about leadership. Um, that you've just given our, you know, our listeners for today, a lot to think about and a lot to consider. Um, talk about a turning point. I think for a lot of listeners, this is going to, uh, has the potential to turn their thinking about leadership kind of on their heads. And it becomes, um, there's a whole lot more love in it. <laughs> there's there's community in it. There's care for one another. Um, it's beautiful. And I thank you so much for being part of this conversation today and being oh, a guest pleasure. on, oh my gosh, being a guest on, uh, what are we calling this? Turning points in leadership. <laughs> yes. Oh, so thank you again so much for being anything else that you'd like to share. Well, I am so looking forward to hearing what steers up in people you know what resonated so feel free to um, look me up at linkedin kristen has my details as well so feel free to reach out for those who probably got you know got got some things that really deeply resonated or deeply touched um i i know that that part of my role and part of who i'm stepping into uh, as, as a leader, as a matriarch, is to really steer the pot. <laughs> so for those who have been steered by this conversation, thank you. Thank you for, for listening. Thank you for watching um, and looking forward to the conversations that would follow. Wonderful. And thank you for your kind offer for people to reach out to you. Um, I will be putting uh, Lana's information in the show notes so that you can uh, reach out to her. And as she said, I would love to, to receive what resonated with you today in the context of our conversation. What are you curious about? What would you like to learn more about? What conversations might we have together in the Turning Points Leadership Community to, to take the, the wisdom and the learning that Lana has shared with us today and deepen it for ourselves um, so that every one of us can become, uh, can work toward that mastery, that idea of continuous learning to be the best leaders that we can be in our spheres of influence, whatever that happens to be. And um, I really firmly believe that together we can make the world uh, 
a better, more loving society um, and a, a place that's that's uh, beautiful for every human being. So again, Lana, thank you so much for being part of this uh, journey with me today. And um, everyone else, we'll see you the next time on Turning Points in Leadership. Take care now. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to take a moment to like, share, and comment on today's episode. If you're not already a member of the Turning Points Leadership community, you can accelerate your development as a leader by joining today. You'll find the link to the community in the show notes. If you'd like to be a guest on Chris's show, send an email to turningpointsguest at liveworksatisfied.com. See you next time for more Turning Points in Leadership.